stop. Daily thoughts. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Big money on the line. Yankees are in the wild card game. We're playing the Athletics because fuck the Red Sox. They didn't make it to the playoffs. This is true. One game for all the marbles. Would you be able to drink 25 light beverages of your choice? We're talking light adult beverages of your choice to ensure a Yankees victory. So you can have the game on. By all means, have the game on. But by the time that the game is over, you need to have completed 25 drinks. It sounds like such a stupid number because beers don't come in 25 packs. They come in 30 racks. <laughs> yeah. Well, down here in the South, we don't have 30 racks. We only have 24 racks. So I would have to buy two packs of beer, which would be just annoying for this. That is, but, so, yes. that is so annoying. Yeah. Um, 25 beers in a nine-inning game. Oh, fo- baseball moves a lot slower than football. So, like, Yeah, but you don't know how fast the game is going to go. That is true. It could be a brisk pitcher's duel, in which case you're yeah. – because like You're there's no really. halftime. The thing that we're basing it off of is the legendary audio clip where the man says that he could drink 25 beers during the course of an Alabama football game, no problem. So, so two uh, weeks from now, when good. Alabama plays Miami, uh, start to finish, uh, you you could consume as many as 25 Bud Lights. Sure, Paul. Come on, man. But you're getting quarter breaks you're getting timeouts and you're getting a halftime baseball there's none of that like playoffs of course there's going to be longer commercial breaks but things can move quickly here yeah let's say you get a nice uh what is it, like well not bassett because he's hurt but like uh i think a nice sean Manaya versus uh garrett cole pitchers duel i guess uh yeah you're kind of in the weeds there um as a man who's seen people do the 999 challenge, and for the uneducated, that's nine beers, nine hot dogs, and a nine inning game. So it's a beer and a hot dog per inning. Uh, that's 16 more beers, though. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Well, you're subtracting the hot dogs, which plays a huge factor in what's going in your stomach. But 25 yeah. beers, no chance. Not for my small frame. Yeah. Um, I'm basing the ability of myself on that time you and i watched that red Sox playoff game and i had a hot box um which oh, is yeah. a ridiculously high percentage box of ipa beers um and it was 12 in the box and i only drank 11 of them before falling asleep on the floor um yeah he uh had by all yeah he didn't he didn't make it, but to be fair, like the ABV for how much you drink in that one setting, would, much higher, much higher. Yeah, it would probably be offset by the fact you're drinking like what, like four percent, a little bit higher on these beers. So, like, what, what you're drinking, choose a light beer for yourself, I guess. Then, uh, I mean, I guess I would do Miller Lights. Okay, those always seem to go down the smoothest. Either that or like natural lights, if you're into that. Yeah, I don't want to go full degenerate though. I mean, I've been there. Some so. bush lattes. Oh god! No, 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 no. You know what you need? The uh, the what's it called? God, what's the oh the Kirkland brand? The Kirkland oh, lights. Kirkland lights. The diesel, the the absolute pure motor oil that you get from uh, just pond water in a can. <laughs> yeah, the the grossest scum of the earth beer that you could possibly get from Costco. It's it's Costco brand beer if you don't know, and they sell it in forty eight racks. Yeah, 
if I had three hours, I think I could put down 20, I would say an amount between 18 to 22. Let me see what's the average time for a baseball game. Average time of a, of a baseball game. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So, like, just over three. Oh, yeah, so you have three hours to drink 25. Like, roughly three hours to drink 25 beers. All right. I think if I knew the game was on my back, like, Aaron yeah. came up to me. He's like, hey, Dan, it's me, Aaron Boone coming to you live from the locker room um this game is all on you nothing that happens on the field is important all that's important is you drink 25 beers before this game is over i think i could push myself to do it i i'm operating with the assumption that like you and i can't throw up in this scenario like there's no cheating there's no finagling oh yeah if you can't pull trig that's a yeah yeah you can't finagle this scenario um game on my shoulders I have 45, I would say 40, 40% faith in myself that I could do it. I have like roughly the same amount of you. I'm going to go like a little lower, probably around like 30, 35 to 37%. Not that you can't drink the beers. It's just more so like the timing issue is like a lot. Cause it's like, you're, you're just under nine beers per hour. Like you don't know when this game is going to end. You just got to go. Yeah. So like, let's say like a playoff game is, let's say you have three and a half hours to do this. Like I'll, I'll give you the over on three hours at least, but just by an extra 30 minutes, like you're averaging just under nine beers an hour, essentially. Even, even for the more educated among us, if you were doing one beer per half inning, that's not enough. You're still seven off. Yeah. You, you really got out. You got a motor. You, yeah, you got a haul on this one. Like, you suck those daddies. <laughs> like when they say commence suck down, this is what they meant. Like they literally meant like you have like that's this is pure speed. This isn't like this isn't pacing yourself. Like that. Like with the nine nine nine, it was different. It was like you could pace yourself. You had to eat the hot dog too. Yeah, it's a pitcher's duel. You're in for a bad time, but like for the most part, you're expecting a standard baseball game with some offense, a little yeah. bit of you know fast innings. This is just like you gotta start like funneling. I I think we just opened up a nice can of worms, and I hope this scenario is thrust upon myself one day. I hope it is. Maybe not you, but I hope that we get to see this happen to somebody. Someone's gonna try this for sure. It's not gonna be pretty, but if any if anyone out there wants to partake, please let me watch. Yeah, but uh, the real crux of the story is. Uh, Wildcard game, very much in play now. Honestly, we're kind of looking past this at this point. Yeah, we are looking at the division because as of Sunday, uh, Long Island has sunk into the sea, but as of Sunday, August 22nd, the Yankees are in first for the wild card, two games up on the Athletics, and only four back of the Rays for first in the American East. Yeah, quite a turnaround. I'm actually doing this underwater in Atlantis right now. Um, Long Island has submerged into the depths of the ocean. Thank you to the Hurricane Henri. Henry, Henry, Henry. Henri. Henri. It, it is French. Okay. I mean, uh, I want it to be French. All right. Hurricane Henri, I guess then. Um, yeah. Uh, the turnaround came quick. The deadline moves have worked out swimmingly. And that's with losing Rizzo to COVID and getting, like, not a net nothing from Gallo because he's making up for it in other ways, but it's just like he hasn't fully locked in yet so yeah it's been done with two italian 
trade deadline acquisitions and a kid from the Bronx, and it's kind of stunning to see. Yeah. We even had a few meltdowns along the way, like in the Field of Dreams game, which yeah. you always want to have on national television while Kevin Costner is watching and thinking mm. about Cal Ripley's wife. Um, I thought that was going to be the gut punch for the season. Like, that's it. We just waved a white flag. Somehow the team got off the mat and then decided to rip off just nine in a row, which is yeah. unreal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they brought back the juice balls for that game, so that game was kind of an outlier. But Yeah, Stan was swinging at some terrible balls and then managed to just line one right into the corn in left field, which is phenomenal yeah. to see. And then Zach Britton turned that field of dreams into a field of nightmares. <laughs> so my, my thing that I'm looking forward to seeing, or I guess not looking forward to looking forward with curiosity is the heen dog, Andrew Heaney, who mm-hmm. did take that field of dreams, turn into a field of nightmares. And then, Made the Boston oh. Red Sox, who were looking pretty decent, mind you, at this time, um, made them look like one of the Little League teams playing in Williamsport right now. Yeah, he shoved. We had uh, we had some boots on the ground for that one. Um, people were stunned he came out for that seventh inning after throwing 99 pitches in the first six. That's after giving that, like, for, he gave up a first ring for first inning, what, dinger, I think, or whatever. Or, like, it was just one run allowed, but just... Yeah, he shoved. The offense woke up, got off the mat, and said, "No, we're not losing this game. We're yeah. taking this to Boston." I Boston mean, fans trying to keep up appearances with that first round dinger or first inning dinger. So. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, you need to need to let the people know that the heen dog is still the heen dog. But then he decided to shove and turn into just I don't know, like just he the Chris Sale. Yeah, he did honestly. <laughs> he decided to cut up those Field of Dream road jerseys and was like, "That's it." enough yeah um yeah the team just looks locked in right now i mean what are your takeaways on rizzo and gallo so far um i'm much more enjoying rizzo than gallo it's fair honestly looking in the long run of things past this season Mm -hmm. he's kind of better in terms of maybe getting rizzo back for another go at things because you already have gallo under control still so yeah Regardless of how Gallo plays out the rest of the year, um, he has been better than he started off after the trade. Um, so I think he'll pick it up a little bit more. But giving Cashman and those boys in the ownership box more reason to bring back Tony, um, I think is going to go a long way. Um, honestly, my biggest takeaway so far from this whole trade situation has been that Luke Voigt decided that he is God now and he just wants to hit singles, doubles and dong shots. Um, even though he's not playing first base anymore. So we have a perfect lineup constructed with him playing DH. It's just a matter of how long can we force Boone to just tie his arms around his back and say, okay, I'm just going to let Stanton play the field. He's been doing a relatively good job of it so far, like kind of managing this death lineup like every now and then. He's kind of staggering the playing time a little bit, which I'm okay with. Rizzo is coming off of COVID IL and Voight's had a number of injuries this year. So I get why he would want to stagger it a little bit right now. Yeah. When push comes to shove, like when if like we're in the middle of it, obviously, but like when push comes to shove and like we're like teeing off against division rivals, like yeah. We have a series against we still have one more series against Boston. We have to play Oakland a little bit. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, and then we obviously end the season against Toronto and Tampa. Like 
you're going to want the death lineup out there for not all of it, probably, because I don't think that's a feasible thing, but at least most of it. But like a semi-platoon where like Gardner gets some playing time and gets some tough righties or something like that, and you give Boyd a little bit of breather, give Rizzo a little bit of a breather, I'm okay with that. The, uh, but yeah, I mean, snap judgment right now with Rizzo is that you probably want to resign him. I guess you'll see how the rest of the season plays out in the playoffs as well and how much money he could make in the open market. But right now I'd be like, all right, we'll give you like three years, high AAV, stick yeah. around for a little bit, play some first, you know. I mean, my thing is with the end of that game where Velasquez absolutely hosed that guy um, and there was a tough pick at first, you're not going to get that from Voight, I don't think. That's probably a, that a gold glove first baseman is making. So yeah, the only other guy on the team right now that like, probably gives you that pick is DJ. Yeah, because he's relatively good at picking it there. But yeah, the again, it, it, first base is like an underrated position where like it's like oh you don't need you know that money ball quote where it's like oh first base not that hard to play and then Ron Washington just says it's extremely hard and it and it is. We've seen we saw Jay Bruce at the beginning of the year, guys. Like oh yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, he the, the real turning point in the season. Yeah. yeah, but we've seen Jay Bruce play it. We've seen Miggy play it a little bit too. Yeah, if you guys remember when A Rod tried to play first base a few years back, like yeah. it, it's a tough position. Foyt does the best he can, honestly. He really, he really does. Yeah, but there's just, him, but yeah, there's just a thing where Rizzo can just pick it. Like guy. Yeah, he supplements a lot of that. Although I saw a lot of people knocking Glaber for that play, um, like that Velasquez made. Uh, someone brought up a good point. It's like, all right, if you have your full, like that side of the infield is healthy, it's Geo and Glaber because Rugi was playing third. I don't think Glaber's in the position where he needs to make that play. I think Geo covers enough ground where he's the one that fields it and throws it to first. Yeah, I imagine so. So yeah. that's the devil's advocate for saying like, well, Glaber's defense is bad. And I do agree that he probably doesn't make that play if I had to be totally honest. Yeah, I think Geo covers enough ground for him where he probably makes that play and the game's over. Um, but yeah, firing all cylinders right now. Um, the death lineup, as it's been called nonstop, very much in play. Stan been playing the field. We saw some stats about uh, how well he's been playing since he's been able to get back in the field. He's in 301, four homers and 15 RBIs in 22 games, basically a three-week stretch since he was able to play the outfield in Miami. It's almost like keeping your body active every day by running around and keeping yourself mentally active in the field is going to translate to some better stats at the plate. Yeah. Or in other words, if you've ever heard the yogiism, uh, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. Like it's, you know, when you're hitting all the time, people, I forgot who had the quote. I don't know if it was judge or someone on the Yankees or just someone in baseball. I remember like some player said, like, I don't like DHing because, um, like, when you can't play the field, when you're playing the field, you don't think about what you just did at bat, like some guys do. Well, there are other dudes like Paul O'Neill who used to just think about their swing all the time, even when they played the field. But yeah, there are other guys who are not used to DHing. You know, the half day breather is nice in theory because, you know, you get your, you're not on your legs for the entire game, but you also get into the zone where all you're thinking about is just hitting because that's your role for the day. So DHing is not necessarily too easy depending on who you are. Um, some guys just need to see the field so they can get out of their heads, get a little bit of a breather for half an inning, you know, just roam around a little bit on the field, make some plays. 
And Stan's done a pretty good job. Let me go see like what his numbers are like defensively so far um, in limited playing time, albeit. But he's looked comfortable out and right, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know? it's not that much ground to cover in right field of Yankee Stadium. I know no. like, it's a little precarious down the line there with the, with the wall right on top of you. But yeah, of course. Yeah. He's, he's handled himself well. Yeah, he's a total – no, for the baseball savant stuff, it's like zero outs above average. So, like, he's – He's a guy. He's totally – he's a net neutral. Like, he doesn't – you know, I I don't think he's going to be judge out there ever, but he's a solid enough fielder where he can – you know, he's not useless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the key is you can plug him into the outfield and you're not going to just start losing. No, not at all. And, like – And that would rotate guys through catching. So, if you want to have – Gary hitting but not catching, or you want to have Void hitting while Rizzo's playing first, you can have that manipulation that you don't get it while you're just plugging Stanton into DH every day. You want that. I like the flexibility there a lot more. You know, I the days of like a solid like one guy DH, you know, the Ortiz's and Giambi's of the world, those are kind of gone by the wayside. I think like Nelson Cruz is the last of that breed, sort of, which yeah. I mean Nelly Rakes, albeit out with COVID now. We got that news right before we press record. Yeah, breaking news. Rays are yeah. going down. Yeah, they're uh, it's a sinking ship. We're coming for them. Um, yeah, he's playing well, and I think he's just a lot more loose now that he's able to play the field, or they would let him play the field. I There's been a lot of debate on that, whether or not he's been like, oh, I don't want to play the field or anything like that, or, you know, or they just simply didn't let him, but I think it was more so they wanted to protect him from injury, and he's responded well to playing the field. He still can do it <laughs> yeah so you like to see that flexibility in the lineup but yeah the death lineup you like judge or gallo more in center out of curiosity probably gallo just i like his legs a little bit more i also trust him not to just get hurt tripping over himself yeah uh, but judge has played well enough i think yeah he's earned role or spot starts in the position so i don't have a problem with him playing in center field um, yeah, exactly. I guess, but you did bring Gallo over to be another piece in the outfield. So it just makes more sense to me, I guess, to leave him out there in center. I don't know. I agree. I mean, there's different ways they can play it. I, I'm cool with either. Let me see how Judge has been doing in center, too. I'm curious about like his, like what the metrics say, I guess. Stand for like DRS, their defensive run save, also a net neutral. So like he's just getting the job done. He's not giving anything special out there in field, but he's not going to kill you. So yeah. that's basically what you would want for a guy who's been DHing for the past two years, basically, like exclusively. Like, you know, he hasn't played the field extensively, I think, since 2018 when Judge was out for that stretch, and he played a pretty mean right field that year. So, yeah, yeah I, he's getting the job done. Let me see. How's Judge looking in the field? Uh, uh, yeah, they think he's a net neutral and center. Uh, in right field, they love him, of course. So he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's fine. I don't think they actually, the metrics actually don't love him in the right field this year. They like him a lot more in center. Oh, God. OAA has him a minus one in the right field, but a plus one in center, which is hilarious. That's, that's some good stats. I think because his arm is so good in center that, like, you've had after, you have to respect it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But um, yeah, the team is just up and running right now. Uh, we do have some setbacks, though. Sevy might just be deceased. Yeah, he might. He might be Big Mike Pineda right now. Yeah, 
We still have another year on that contract too, plus an option, but it's small money. So I'm not really concerned about that part. It's just like, wow, we have not seen a pitch in a while. Yeah. I mean, they seem to either not know what's wrong with him or it's not a big deal and he just needs time. He might be in a Dak Prescott situation, which you may be familiar with. I don't know if you know the Dallas Cowboys at all, um, uh, where his shoulders need some time to hang out. I don't know. Just like I know the Lakers and, you know, yeah. all that stuff. I don't root for the Lakers, guys. I'm going to put that one out there right now. I know I root for big name teams, not the Lakers, never the Lakers. I need to put that out there. Um, yeah, I think it's more so just like a wait and see. I David Cohn mentioned that we could possibly see him as a reliever for the rest of the year, and there's been two schools of thoughts on that. Um, I know the boys over at Pinstripe Alley have been – and girls, of course, too, um, have been more clamoring towards him being like a nice multi-weapon, multi-inning uh, weapon out of the bullpen. Um, and then, like, you have a couple of people who are kind of against it, just shut him down for the season, trying to ramp him up again for next year. Like, there's no sense in pushing it because the team's kind of doing all right so far. Where do you fall on that? Um, I kind of fall into the don't pressure him into coming back for a bullpen role. For yeah. this season, I don't think it's worth it. I think if you want to, if you really, really want to, like if our bullpen is going back to the levels of where we're just blowing saves, like we pretty much kind of still are because we still give up a run yeah. team um, in really bad situations. Um, I would say like if he's healthy, if he can do it, um, ALCS – and further would probably be my most comfortable. So we're talking about like mid October. Yeah. If, if he's really on a good track, you could probably get away with doing just from the start of the playoffs onward. Um, but I don't think there's any reason to get him back in for the regular season, especially if it's just in a bullpen situation, because he's not going to be any better than Chad green is right now, especially if these are his first pitches at the major league level. Yeah, I'm kind of in that camp, too. Like, I would not mind seeing him as a multi-inning reliever, given the state of the bullpen and how, like, shaky it's been. There's two guys I trust right now, and it's Loisega and Wandy Peralta, out of all people. Yeah. That's literally it. And then, like, Chad Green, when he doesn't throw the curveball, I love it. That's basically it. I don't trust – although Britton did look good the other day. I don't trust Britton at all. Chapman's still ramping his way back from COVID. Good on Boone for pulling him out of that game the other day. That was smart. It worked. Yeah, even with, like, what was a five-run lead? That was a smart move. Um, I like Litke, but I also think he's being overexposed a little bit because Boone just keeps running him out there. I, how many appearances he has? He has to have at least 60 appearances on the season right now. He's no. been just shoving. I kind of like Clay Holmes, too. Uh, yeah, he should be coming back from COVID, I also. <laughs> um. We named at least most of the people on the team. Yeah. Look, he's at 46 appearances. Jeez Louise. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, 45 out of the bullpen because he had that one random start where he was an opener. But, yeah, um, I do like Holmes. Hopefully he comes back from COVID IL soon. I think he's supposed to be, hopefully, by tomorrow. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be back today, but, you know. Yeah. That's good. His stuff is good. His sinker is – he looks like Britain from the right side, honestly. His sinker is sharp. Joey Rodriguez is all right, but I'm not trusting him in big innings just yet. Um, 
Yeah, bullpen's kind of in shambles for the most part. You have two guys you could really rely on right now. And one of them is Wandy Peralta, who just that's been a revelation. Gone yeah. for Mike Talkman, who just got DFA'd. So good move, good parts, good uh good move on uh, you know, Ninja Cash's part. Him and Mike Ford. Yeah, just gone. Do you know Mike Ford was playing third in the minors too? I had no idea. I was like reading the like write up on like you know what happened with him and whatnot, and apparently they tried it out at third base in the minors, a position he hasn't played since twenty thirteen. Wow. Okay. I guess no. he okay. is. I mean, not an identical clone, but he is essentially G Man Choi, first base DH kind of lefty. Power. Yeah, it's a it's a little redundant. Yeah, so there's no real need to keep him. I played third base in 2019 in the minors as well. He made six appearances there for the Rays in, the, in their minor league system this year, which is crazy to think about. He was actually hitting like relatively well, but like it, you're right, it is kind of redundant when you already have Choi at the major league level. And then now they probably could use him coming up, honestly, with Cruz out. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, an awkward position to be in. Yeah, well, that's their problem. Um, yeah, uh, the team is just you're doing well. Um. I'm kind of worried about bringing Sebi back, man. I don't want him to just blow out his arm and multi yeah. weapons. I, I, I would like to see if he, like, he's going to say he's probably going to come about it, but if the medicals just say, like, he just needs rest, then just yeah. don't don't push it. If, There's if, no need to bring him back unless we are on pace to actually win the goddamn thing and you need his arm. Yeah, if the bullpen is still looking shaky and, like, like let's say he does resume throwing, they're just like, okay, some light stuff, but the bullpen is still looking shaky into the middle of September, then it's like, all right, maybe ramp up a little bit more. Yeah. We know some other guys coming back. Uh, there's been nothing on Herman, right, at uh, all? Not that I've heard. I can look it up real quick. All right. Um, Kluber's been throwing some rehab games. He's been looking so-so, but that's to be expected. He's been he's shut he, down. From- he always has, like, one inning that's okay and one inning that's bad. Yeah, I would expect to see him back like mid-September, I think, at this rate, which is just kind of gravy at this point. Um, the rotation right now as it lines up for the playoffs probably be Cole Tyone Monty or Monty Tyone, I guess. But yeah. you have three guys there you can trust. We need to talk about the kid, though. Ramon had a setback, apparently. Oh, cool. As of one day ago, um, and there's no timetable for him to face live batters. I think he's just kind of DOA, like persona non grata, because I don't really think they – care for him to come back at this point okay prayer hands yeah we can talk about the kid okay the bronx the boogie down boy oh no i was gonna talk about louis hill first we can talk about Vasquez. we're gonna talk about velasquez as well but louis hill revelation okay i mean yeah he has been just absolute god (laughs) i mean you and i we talked about him after his first start and we thought that he wasn't going to get any more opportunities to pitch. We thought it was like a kind of one-time, maybe a two-time deal, depending on injuries. But now we just want him. I think he's like – I think he's like a fixture in the rotation now. And then like even if he's not, it's a real good audition for next year too. Yeah. Like because we're – yeah, you're going to lose Kluber in free agency. Don't know if they're really going to want to fork over money to get him back because he was injured obviously most of the year. And he's obviously getting up there in age. Um, so you're missing one rotation spot. Sevy's a question mark as always. So that might be two. You have Cole, Monty, and Tyone lock in the spots for next year. Knock on wood, injury, you know, non, that doesn't happen. So yeah, there's two rotation spots up for grabs. 
Um, your top pitching prospect and David Garcia has not pitched well at all this year. You guys in ERA pushing near eight in AAA and has pretty much been the only prospect to regress this year. So that's fun. Um, and then Schmidt, who's also building himself back up to arms to uh, game strength. He said he could probably pitch in the majors this year and hopefully you get to see him in a September cameo. Um, but Luis Hill, man, uh, dude gives me big 2015 rookie Sevy vibes. Yeah, which I mean, <clears throat> now looking at Sevy isn't giving a good taste in my mouth, but yeah, that's not great. Uh, but no runs through three games is nothing to shake a hat at. No, his command's all over the place, and he probably still needs a second pitch, to be totally honest, because the slider and the changer are like kind of there, but not really. He kind of just throws them, but the fastball plays yeah. so much. The dude threw a 95-mile-per-hour mile changeup at one point in the game, which just yeah. doesn't seem humanly possible. And that's from guys who have seen Jacob deGrom throw 92-mile-per-hour changeups, which still doesn't make sense. Yeah, RIP and peace Jacob deGrom as well. Yeah, that guy's toast. The Mets are toast. Um, but yeah, do you want to see Hill in the uh, in the postseason if it comes if push comes to shove? Yeah, but I imagine it would probably be in a short innings role. It would probably yeah. be three or less. Yeah, in a bullpen role or like with an opener or something like that. I feel like he would be the opener to be honest. I don't want the I yeah I don't do the thing though last year what they did with Davy and Hap that was so just was dumb janky. Don't do that with him because I don't know. The thing I was listening to what Boone was talking to, he was talking to Susan Wallman on like the radio show or whatever, on the, po- the pregame show for the, the radio game. And um, I don't know. The big thing that they emphasize with Keel is that he just seems so calm when he's out there. Like he doesn't seem phased by the moment at all. He's no. just out there to throw and that's it. And the dude has shoved so far. Like we said, the command's a bit of a work in progress and it leads to longer innings and the pitch count gets up there right around like the fifth or the fourth or fifth inning. Yeah, but he's got that gold chain, and he looks like a fucking boss, and that plays well in the Bronx in October. Does speaking of the Bronx, because we're just doing segues on segues, I guess we're going to talk about the Bronx. Yeah, we're going to talk about the baby Bronx boy, little baby boy who just hit his first dinger. Yeah, Andrew Velasquez, man. I saw Velasquez jerseys in the stadium the other day. Really? Yeah, dude. I they might have been a family member to be totally honest, because like. That would make the most sense. Yeah, the kid is from the Bronx. But Andrew Velasquez. He just hits. All he does is hit. He does. And he makes great plays in the field. He does, too. All right. If I, I like, there, there's no way they would demote Wade, but like for the postseason, I would love to see Velasquez and roster over Wade, to be totally honest. And Wade's been hitting well, too, which is the funny thing. Yeah, it's. My favorite part about this streak that we've been on, um, like, obviously the big guys are hitting well, but, you know, they get cold every once in a while. Going into this part where we haven't had Gio or Glaber available and Higgy was playing for the first part of it over Gary because Gary was still out. We were like, oh, well, you know, you get your first six guys up there. You get, like, you get Gallo, you get Boyd. This is still when Rizzo was out and, you know, you get Judge and Stanton. But then once you get to Higgy Wade, Velasquez, it's like, who gives a shit? Because those are just outs. But yeah. all of a sudden, these guys are just hitting. And they're they're not just getting slap singles. They're hitting doubles. They're getting on base. And they're scoring. And they're changing the game. Even Higgy hit a bomb. So, I mean, just great things are happening. 
No, they are. The bench pieces are clicking. It feels kind of like 2019, but like supercharged in a way. Like it's it's been a weird, I don't know, it's just a weird vibe right now with the team. Like we're, we were just such in a haze for the first part of the year. And now like everything's clicking, even with the replacement guys. Um, Rookie's come back down to earth a little bit, but even then he still just gives you a great vibes. Dude, get a home run on a fake dinger. <laughs> yeah, fake dinger yesterday. Call time that immediately just smacked the pitch of his thrown. Yeah. Into the bullpen, not for a home run, sadly, but I don't know. Rookie gives you great vibes um, and still gives you a relatively good feeling. Love that as a bench piece. The only problem is it's going to come down to like one utility guy once Geo and Glaber are back, and it's just come, it's probably coming down to Velasquez and Wade, and it's yeah. probably going to be Wade because they love him. And I don't fully fault him for that. It's a bench spot. Yeah. I still want Velasquez there on the clubhouse during October, though, because I think he's just deserved a spot at the table. Don't let him leave. We need him. We, no. We've gone on this streak with him in the Bronx. You can't let him leave the Bronx. You can't. Hopefully when, play, when rosters expand in September, hopefully that's when people start coming back because apparently Glaber might not be back until like mid-September, which is less than ideal. But yeah, That's less than Jake. Less than Jake. Um, but still, just let Velasquez stay up, have him, be on the run, have him be on the bench at least for the stretch run, get him some spots out there in the field. He can play pretty much anywhere, same positions as Wade for the most part. So it's a great story. Shout out to Lindsey Adler for asking him what is what does neon sign say, and shout out to Jason Zillow, the communications guy for the Yankees, for not knowing what that meant. That was an awkward conversation. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, what would your neon sign say? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah, so we had a nice stretch run coming up. Um, obviously, we're out today due to the hurricane. Stay safe. Um, going on a nice long road trip to in Atlanta, which just seems random as hell. Yeah, and then a nice seven game West Coast swing. I Four important ones in Oakland. Yeah. If you know me, I hate the West Coast swing with a passion. I feel like we never do well on those, but they're always in August and we always just kind of seem to struggle. Um, I feel like people are not talking about it enough, I guess. I guess because we're on a roll, so people are not like it's not crisis mode, obviously. Yeah. But the four in Oakland, those are some big games, man. Those are huge games. Yeah. Those are some um, really big games. Um, we're lined up kind of nice. It's supposed to be Heaney, Tyone, Nestor, and Cole in that series. So, yeah, the, obviously the Heaney starts always make you nervous, but we're we're lined up pretty nicely for, uh, no, for that swing. God damn. Um, I mean, it's good that we already have two up on Oakland, so it's not the worst thing. And then looking ahead schedule-wise between us and the A's, the A's definitely have a harder schedule just because they have – I think they have a couple more against the Giants, maybe just one or two. And then they have to play the Astros. I think they have two more series against them. So their schedule's a little bit steeper than ours. Yeah, they have a they have a tough swing. They play Yeah, they've won against San Fran tonight. Then they play Seattle, then us. So those are two kind of toughies. Yeah. Uh Detroit, which could go either way because Detroit's been kind of a streaky team, but let's just assume that's kind of a pushover. Toronto, then Chicago at the beginning of September, that's a tough swing. Yeah. Texas KC and then angels. So they have a nice little lull in the middle of September. And then they just, it's just Seattle, Houston, Seattle, Houston to end the season for them. That's tough. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're, they're not, we're kind of in the driver's seat in that aspect, I guess. We hopefully at least take three out of four from them. I, we always want the sweep who doesn't, but it'd be really nice to cruise through San Fran and uh, or Oakland and come out like, you know, a nice four, five, six games up on them. God damn, yeah, it would. I wonder what the day pushed back if they would flip Heaney and Monty at all. 
I mean, they're probably looking at it, but we'll see what they do. I'm just curious because, like, you could push Monty to Oakland and then a Heaney pitch in Atlanta, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I think doubt it's pretty off between the games, though. I don't think there's any need. Yeah, that's true. I don't know because I don't know. You want your four best pitching against Oakland, I guess, then maybe. Yeah. That's just my question. Yeah, that'll we'll see. I doubt they probably do it. Yeah. I feel like Heaney may or they probably see something in Heaney from the last time he was out against Boston that he'll pitch against Oakland, which I'm fine with. Also, Atlanta's in a hot trick too, so wouldn't be the worst. It's not the worst idea to sort of have uh, Monty pitch against uh, the Braves. Yeah. So I think it might be worth just leaving it as is. Yeah. I just forgot we play the Mets still too. We have a city field series coming up on Good thing the Mets have died. Yeah, they're not doing too hot right now. But um, yeah, no, we uh, we have we don't have it easy. I would say down the stretch, but there's some there's some soft ones in the schedule. We have a, we have you know three uh, two more series against Baltimore, series against the Angels. We've just been the Angels. The Mets are on a cliff dive right now. Cleveland hasn't been too great, and Texas is awful. Unless you're Boston, apparently. Yeah, and then you lose by nine. Yeah, absolutely shellacked by them. I hate to see that Maybe one. By a hurricane. Yeah, but Atlanta, Oakland, Toronto, maybe Boston if they can still stay hot. And then Tampa are like the tough ones that we have coming up. We we have a good stretch run coming up. We're gonna play 20 games in like 20 days. Yeah. Um it's marathon time. Yeah, it's marathon time. Um anything else we need to cover? I think it was pretty much it, right? Boston's just on a nosedive right now, so that's kind of fun. I think everything I think we got to everything. I think so. Uh we were gonna talk about um Talk about that twenty game stretch, the twenty game stretch in like twenty days. Uh, I guess we'll just talk about it here in the mind the gap segment, of course. Yeah, minding that gap with some shortening the schedule overall. But first point, baseball seems like it's headed for a lockout, so probably don't have to worry about that because the sport's coming to an end. Yeah, we we don't. Um, if baseball does come back, they should probably play less games because having twenty games in twenty days in September. When you're heading into the postseason, and you're trying to get guys healthy. Doesn't seem like the best move. Either that, or go back to full forty-man rosters in September, because this is when you need like the when you need extra extra guys. Twenty-eight guy adding two more people to a twenty-six man roster is not great. Yeah, it's not really doing much for you in terms of depth. No, not at all. Um, Could definitely like I get it during a regular. You know, if everything in an ideal world, forty guys is a lot for one team to be carrying because then you just have a bunch of dudes in your bullpen who could just be like oh well here you go yeah just throw an inning no, or leave for inning or whatever and it's kind of messy because guys like teams like you know who have a crazy amount of depth like the dodgers or the rays can overuse that a little bit but yeah shortening the schedule seems like the way to go 160 games is just simply way too much because then you have this stupid roster crunch or stupid schedule crunch in uh september where you're making up lost games like we now we have to make up this minnesota game in the middle of our run here. We were supposed to have an off day uh, between the yeah. Mets series and Baltimore series. Now we have to make it up in, on Monday the 13th. Man, um, what, what a barn burner of Mets, Twins, Orioles. Yeah, you should definitely get fat off of those. That, and then you? Cleveland as well, too, who hasn't been playing that well. And then Texas. That's a nice stretch yeah. we have there in September where you should get fat. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of messy because you're on a stretch run. You want those days off at least just to get guys ready for the postseason. Yeah. So baseball should definitely look to what, – what's your ideal number of games? 
like your personal ideal, not what they would will do. Like, what's your number? Shit. I guess we'll have to keep it. I think it's still got to be triple round number. Maybe like 140, 145. Okay. Just you don't have, you don't have to drop that much. No. Is just even if you drop to one fifty, like having twelve more days off in this calendar, I think would be beneficial. So I would I'll change my answer to one forty five to one fifty. I feel like the I feel like the actual league, like the owners and stuff, would probably only be willing to go like one fifty four because that used to be the old schedule back in the day. Yeah, and obviously you make up for some of that revenue with more playoffs. Like that would be the trade-off, and I feel like players on the low end would be like one twenty-ish. I feel like would be like their absolute. Like before, I was saying like one hundred. I feel like they would probably be like one one twenty is like their sweet spot. So maybe me in the middle just go like one thirty, one forty range. Yeah, one forty-four feels like a nice happy medium. I feel like I just came up with a way to placate the owners on that money. Thing, just sell jersey patch add just one i think like the estimate is a hundred million in revenue for the league gotcha for one patch so if they do that i think it might be worth it honestly even you could do the nhl thing where you mm-hmm. do i guess you would do a cap slash helmet ad so okay. you don't have to put it on the jersey because everyone thinks the jersey is the most sacred part of the uniform god people really hate that swoosh i don't know why um, I'm looking at it right now on Mike Trout. It, it is kind of out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think if you do an ad on the helmet, because they do ads on helmets for the international series. They did it for the London series. They did it for the Tokyo series. They did, yeah. And I didn't, when you point it out, obviously I'm going to notice. But for the most part, if I'm just going about my day and just watching a baseball game, I'm not really going to notice an ad on the helmet for the most part. No. Only when you zoom in on the player, like when he's coming to bat, am I yeah. going to notice it? That's it. So if you can get away with one of those, I would obviously say stay away from the jersey because I'm a guy who doesn't want it. I think baseball would be the last sport to do it. Probably football too, just because they make so much money. They don't need it. Yeah, um, I think football is definitely the last one. I feel like baseball is probably going to enter that territory, but at least the helmet I think is just fine. I also don't think the Yankees would do it just because they're the Yankees. We do have some rumored City Connect stuff though, so we're about to get a City Connect jersey. All, all the teams are going to have a City Connect jersey through Nike next year, but apparently the Yankees. I will buy that. Apparently, the Yankees are very – they were leery about it, of course, because we're traditionalists, but they got very interested in seeing how much money I think they – like the other teams revenue, you know, just generated off of uh, off those one-off jerseys. Um, so that's something to look out for next year. But, yeah, I feel like 140-something is like the sweet spot for these teams to agree on. You just get a little bit more off days. Honestly, you know, the miners have been doing it this year. They don't play Monday games do something like that where you just have one day where you just don't play baseball for the most part. You can have like a couple games sprinkled in, but just have like, we already kind of do that to begin with where there's like Thursdays where a lot of teams don't play or Mondays where a lot of teams don't play, but emphasize that more, honestly. Yeah. Just give them like rotating like days where they, you know, teams will just have those days off, I guess just a little bit more emphasized and then expanded playoffs are coming no matter whether we like it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Catch the fear. Yeah, CBA talks are full force. Salary floor apparently is going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah, trying to get teams to 100 mil, at least on payroll. So that'll be interesting to see the raise of a $100 million payroll. What can they possibly do with that much money? I don't know. 
will they even they probably still find a way to circumvent that they're gonna be like a 99 point like seven or something like that and then call it quits like we just simply couldn't find another guy to fit on the roster hey me i'll do nothing <laughs> i mean you've applied a few jobs with them so yeah we applied to be plumbers at uh tropicana field <laughs> if that stadium comes down don't come looking for us Gonna blow it up from the inside. All the toilets just back. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet bombs. I'll never see it coming. Oh, God. God is right. Uh, right. Also, screw Major League Baseball for cutting the tops deal and siding with Fanatics. Oh, God. That's yeah. We don't have to get into, but I just want to say it. Yeah. Dan is not the biggest fan of Fanatics. I mean, who is in this yeah. day and age? They routinely mess up orders and don't supply stuff in the right. I want it on the record that I got a survey from Fanatics that I filled out, and one of the questions was, would you say Fanatics sucks? And it was just yes or no, and I said yes. Yeah. So they know their own reputation, but they have done nothing to change it. Michael Rubin will just is glad to just go on A-Rod's podcast with Big Cat, talk yeah. about how he does good stuff for the sport, and then try to free make mail and call it a day. Yeah, he will take your money because that's the only place where you can give your money to. That guy's still trying to free Meek Mill, and Meek Mill's been out of prison for a while now, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the same prison that's literally the only way i that, that's the only that's that's the only news that i like that's how i found out about michael rubin was just like oh yeah he's the guy trying to free, free meek mill i'm like okay cool like he owns fanatics and it's objectively bad to use that site so yeah their quality is terrible and custom merch it's, it's not good worth it yeah but anyways that's our little spiel about that baseball headed for a lockout but also good for the yankees right now yeah we are steamrolling away and the podcast is steamrolling away, and we are looking good as we head off into the end of this season. Yeah, so keep tuned here as always. We'll probably come back to you in the middle of September with a little bit of update, I guess, on yeah. what we're doing. Um, do. Maybe a little bit after the West Coast swing, maybe after the Mets series. Who knows? Probably. I feel like the Mets series might be the nice time to come back. We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. get a day in there. We'll probably try to record a little bit, maybe get some guys back on the pod too. Um, I know. Yeah, we have a nice rant from Matt coming up where he talks about the judges' chambers, so stay tuned for that. Can't wait. All right. See See you guys later.